0: he's been putting in work for so long. Putting a lot of work. What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Putting in Work. I'm John Peck and I want to thank you for the strong reception to last week's episode where Jack Cruz and I talked about the release of my new book, The Spy and the Maven. A lot of people have been telling me about ordering it or they've finished it and they loved it or they're halfway through. All that kind of stuff uh, is a great motivation to me to keep pushing along with this one uh, and start working on the next. So thank you once again. This week, as I always seem to be saying, it's a special episode, episode 20. can't believe I've been doing this for five months now, but five months ago when I did start, it was at RTX Sydney, Rooster Teeth's conference in Sydney, where I got the chance to interview Greg Miller and Tim Geddes from Kind of Funny. Our Rooster Teeth, for those who don't know, is a massive production company with more than 250 staff. They do live action and animated series, they've got game development, and they also partner with a bunch of podcasters and YouTubers, including Kind of Funny. So Andy Cortez, Candy Andy, is this week's guest. Andy was a game development artist for Rooster Teeth and left Rooster Teeth, a joint kind of funny, as a video editor. And he's become probably more than he expected a part of their on-camera team. He's got a great sense of humor, very quirky, and the community really seems to love him already. I actually got in touch with Andy a few months ago about coming on the show, and he's really keen. He said, yeah, just wait for a little bit before things aren't so busy. And then I realized that he had just resigned from Rooster Teeth, and I didn't really know where he was going next, but turned out it was kind of funny, so it works out really well. Having just been to San Francisco, I got a chance to sit down with Andy. We caught up just a few days after Kind of Funny Live, where Andy performed in front of a 1,000-odd fans, and uh, we got to sit down in a ramen shop we shared a couple of honeydew juices there was a bit of background noise so you'll have to forgive the weird sound of our voices as i tried to remove that background clatter but here is andy cortez to talk about andy cortez enjoy the show
1: or i've at least seen my role expand quite a bit in the last few weeks uh, from what it used to be uh which is cool but also nerve-wracking you know it's, i don't want to I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and my strengths are not talking about games uh, with a level of expertise like Colin did or like even Greg does or Tim. And so I know that like, I read the comments and I see some people saying like, man, I wish we had more Andy on the show. And I sometimes want to comment, no, you don't, because I'm not that good at that shit. You know, that's not my, that's not my forte. I am more of a, uh, also, by the way, do you know that, not Forte, it's Forte. Yeah, I do
2: know that, but I think I mean, we should stick with Forte. Yeah, I think Forte sounds, sounds a bit lot cooler. cooler yeah,
1: uh, but yeah, the Game's Cast sort of style is definitely not my my cup of tea. I I more prefer just getting on the morning show and talking shit and yeah. making jokes. And,
2: and it's it's uh, it's cool that you are probably the first person. I mean, I don't really know what happens behind the scenes, but you're. You're hired as a behind-the-scenes person, but you're also doing a lot of stuff on camera, and you're kind of—it seems like you're equally in both camps.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, lately it's been more on camera, I'd say, because the we recorded a bunch of let's plays, but we haven't—I haven't had the chance to start editing editing them yet because I've been so busy with like with Tim was out, so I had to do the morning show quite a bit, and I had to do Vlogs recently, and. Um, Yeah, it's weird to see the balance sort of tip the other way. Um, Did you expect expect that you would come in and have to do
2: that kind of thing? Because I guess when you took the job, Colin was still part of the company and it wasn't a gap, I guess. Uh,
1: When I took the job, I knew that I would get utilized to do some small things because at the time, Colin was still very busy with uh, Colin was Right and stuff like that. And I knew that if there were some gaps need if there were some gaps that I would be asked to, to fill in here and there. But very seldomly. Um, and then when Colin quit I was like, oh I I can kinda tell what's gonna happen. And I'm definitely down for it because I felt really comfortable on, doing on camera stuff with Rooser Teeth the few times that I did get to do it. And uh yeah, when Colin quit, I had so many people from Rooser Teeth text me like, dude, this is your like this is your in, like this is where you're gonna shine, you know? Um, but again, people are expecting what Colin was and that's not me at all. You know? Uh, I don't think
2: people are expecting that from you though.
1: Cause they, I think they were yeah, I think they were sort of trained to not think that initially. Um, which is good because like, there are a lot of people who texted me then and, and DM me that day and messaged me on Facebook. Like, so you were the editor back. In yeah. December or January that they mentioned, like, yep, that's me. Like, I was in the plans all along. I was not just some reactionary hire yeah. from when Colin quit. Um, which, uh, yeah, I think it's worked out better than I could have ever imagined. The transition has been so fucking smooth, and uh, it's blown me away how the community, most of the community has accepted me pretty quickly. It's awesome. So what
2: do you tell people your job is when when you meet someone?
1: Random people.
2: Yeah, like people who don't understand what um, kind of funny is.
1: I say that I um, I do video type stuff for a company that covers pop culture things. Like I like I, I always make the example ESPN covers sports. Well, we cover Marvel movies and video games and you know nerdy shit like that. Um, I, I I guess I tend to use the word the words nerd culture as... It's, it's a kind of like easy. the buzzword yeah. or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's what I say. I say I I, edit video, I work in video or whatever, you know, on YouTube. Is that something that you always aspired to do?
2: Because I know that you've always obviously been into games and you're very artistic and Rooster Teeth might have been at one point what you thought would be the, the dream job and before that you had something else that might have been considered a dream job because you were working in video games. But right. what, what was it at the start that you thought, this is where I want to go?
1: Uh, for me, it was. I wanted to be a big time video game artist. I wanted to work for Naughty Dog. I wanted to work for fucking Bethesda or whoever, you know. Um, but it wasn't until I got to Rooster Teeth where I always knew that I liked doing funny stuff, and I always knew that I liked. I wanted to be on video and be on camera and and say dumb stuff and try to make people laugh. Uh, but it wasn't until I got with Rooster Teeth where that was made even more clear to me. And so doing that, I I then realized, like, I haven't perfected music because I can make games on the side and then I can go try to be on camera if if I make enough of a name for myself. And so, you know, Tim and Greg are helping out a lot with that, with, like, making sure Barbara Dunkelman knew who I was, making sure Blaine knew who I was, and Miles Luna, who, you know, like before I even, I think like in my first few months of getting hired, I think they were like chirping in Bernie's ear quite a bit. Of like, Hey, this kid's really cool. This guy's really funny. And and then like, I made it a point to watch the podcast every Monday just so they would see my face and like name recognition. You know, I, I always made sure to like introduce myself in front of them to other people. Like, Hey, I'm Andy. Like I wanted them to know who I was. Right. And so I always knew that I wanted to do stuff on camera and I guess working at Rooster Teeth, working on the team that I was with, like, even the the game team that I was with, I was, like, the class clown sort of guy, like, you know, like, and it was, I remember when I was, when I was quitting, one of my best friends, Brian Riley, who works on the game team, kind of realized, like, oh, fuck, like, we're losing, we're losing, like, a big part of our team with you leaving, like, you know, like, you were sort of like the person who tried to make jokes when things got really shitty and hectic. You know, uh, um, what, what were we talking about, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: I guess the orig- we are talking about whatever you want to talk yeah. about. Yeah, the original question was was. <laughs> What did I want was, to do? What did you want to do at the start? And you said make video games. Yeah. i was so
0: interested how that evolved.
2: I wanted to be a games... Because you're, you're kind of nowhere near making video games. No, right? at all. Uh, I wanted to be a games
1: artist, yeah, yeah. And I was for a few years. And um, it was Rooster
2: Teeth that kind of pulled you into a different
1: sphere. Yeah. I mean, they showed me that... I mean, I always loved Rooster Teeth content. Yes. You know, I'd been listening to the podcast for like three or four years before I got hired with them. And I knew that I could contribute in some way to that. And there was always like... Yeah, I wanted to make games, but those always like this part in the back of my brain that would call me towards that. And whenever, whenever there were opportunities to go do on camera stuff and go hang out with the quote unquote cool kids of the, of Rooster Teeth, you know, people who are on camera quite a bit, like I jumped at that shit and I was like, yeah, I want to go do that because I know if I hang out with them, I know that I can like possibly make them laugh. And if I can make them laugh, and they'll be like. Hey, we should get Annie to be on this thing. And I and it wasn't until I started a Rooster Teeth that I knew that I could do that. And it wasn't until I started at Rooster Teeth and I gained a little bit of a following that I thought, man, I really wanna do I wanna do this like thirty second review thing on Twitter that I've been wanting to do for so long, but I just there's this part of me that never wanted to do that because I knew why would I put these videos up on Twitter if I have two hundred followers? Like who cares, right? Uh, Which isn't like the best thing, the best mindset to have, but it's like how I thought at the time. Mm. And uh, you still did it? No, well, I did it once I got a tiny bit of a following. I think I maybe had like, I don't know, a thousand followers or something, which to me was like cool as fuck. And that that was like, that's when I felt more comfortable doing it, Mm. as opposed to like putting a video out there. I don't know. There's just, there's something in my brain that tells me like, if I put a video out there and it gets two likes, people are going to think that it's really dumb. But if I put a video out there and it gets like 20 likes, they'll be like, oh, that's cool. Did you see that video that Andy did? It got some recognition. Which isn't the best way to think because I probably would have never done any of this had I not gone to Rooster team. but it wasn't until I had like that confidence that like, oh, there's a small following who enjoys my dumb jokes on Twitter. Maybe I should make these videos. Uh, and that's what started the thirty second review stuff. And it was gonna, it was originally gonna be like on Snapchat. It was gonna be like, yeah, a fucking 10-second review or six second or some bullshit like that. Uh, but I knew that like that format just didn't work out. Sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So, go, so going back to before all that started, what
2: was your like training in art? Did you just study at school? Did you go to at
1: university or any kind of thing like that? Um, I was back home in the Rio Grande Valley, my hometown, and I was taking some, like, fine arts classes, because I was, I always had, like, a knack for that shit, Um, but I knew, like, hey, if you want to get into animation or anything like that, growing up, I always wanted to work at Pixar, Pixar was the dream job, and leaving the valley, leaving my hometown to move to Austin was, like a big move for me because I knew that I couldn't do any of that stuff if I stayed home. So I had to leave home. I had to leave to a different college in order to get the classes that I wanted, like my two D animation. Once I started doing two D stuff in graphic design, I felt like I was getting pretty good at it. And then I uh, I talked about this on the games cast about the teacher who told me, Hey, you should go to a real art school <laughs> because you're you're you have a you know you have a calling, you know. Uh, So I went to a real art school, and then I spent a fuckload of money. (laughs) But I got the classes that I needed. Um, And it wasn't there... It wasn't until I was at that art school that I realized, like, oh, shit, this is something that I could do for the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, But I didn't know what it was going to be. I don't know if it was going to be 2D animation or graphic design, or I had only taken, like, one 3D class, and it was, like, fucking difficult. Mm. Uh, And then I got hired at the... I didn't get hired. Um, I took my first 3D class. That was a sculpting class that taught me how to design characters with Isaac Oster, who's a fucking awesome human being and a you know a role model for me because I it was him who got me my first job in the industry. And it was when I took that class that he he kind of noticed like, hey, this you know this guy's going to be pretty good. And then I graduated. And he was like, hey, I'm leaving to a new studio. Do you want to take my old job? I'm going to recommend you for my old job. Oh. And he was at a studio called Portalarium, which was owned by Richard Garriott. Not owned, but Richard Garriott's the head of it. And Richard Garriott worked on the Ultima franchise, the Ultima online legend in the industry. And so that was cool shit for me as a, as a young artist. How old were you at that point? Um... When I got hired at 25, maybe? Like, I was not... How old are you now? I'm 29. So, what's happened in four years? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wasn't super young to start off with because I fucked around so much after high school. Like I I was in a band that I claimed that was kind of semi-professional, that like we tried to do stuff, and I thought, I thought that was going to be my career. I thought I, I was going to be in a band for a while, and like... Um, so I didn't go to school for quite a few years. The dumb thing is though, like when I was in high school, I was 15 and 16 years old, I was taking college courses, getting ahead. I was like, man, I'm going to be done with college by the time I'm like 20 or 21. Oh. And then I got, and then the band thing happened and then I got like really into it and then I took you know, like a year off of school or so, I got really behind. Um, But eventually I graduated from that school and I got my first job in the industry and it was really cool and, you know, I was still considered young because everybody at that studio was like 45, 50, a bunch of old industry veterans. Um, and it wasn't until I met Abe, who, uh, used to, Abe did everything. Abe didn't go to school for game design, he just did it so he was like 16 years old working on like half-life mods and yeah, stuff and then he out of high school he got his first job he's just like one of those whiz kids who knew how to make art and program and level design and knew everything and so he got hired at my studio and worked there for about eight months and we became friends and then he his former boss became the the uh studio director at Rooster Teeth, who was Michael Hadwin. Okay. And Michael Hadwin was like, Hey Abe, come work with me at Rooster Teeth. So Abe left. Four months later or so, Abe was like, Hey Andy, come work with me at Rooster Teeth. <laughs> so I left. And uh and I thought I was he hired me at the perfect time because I was kind of at the end of my rope at that studio, like mm-hmm. The, the studio that I was initially working at was like a Kickstarter funded funded game. And so we, things were always kind of sketchy finance wise. Okay. Like the money wouldn't come in some, some months and we, it was like a lot of stress around the office. And I remember it was like, it was around February and my contract had run up and then March came and then April came. I'm like, man, I'm still like month to month here. I could get laid off at any moment. If I get laid off, what the fuck am I gonna do? And, uh, and my Bob and, and Mike Hutchinson, who were two awesome leaders at my old studio, like, they fought for me to stay there. And I eventually got hired on full time, which is fucking awesome. I got a pay raise, and it was like, oh man, I'm like full time. I have a yeah. I have health insurance now. <laughs> I think this is awesome. But then Rooster Teeth hired me, and I, and I knew that, like, being at this studio is gonna last forever. If I got a Rooster Teeth, and at least try to make somewhat of a name for myself, I can, if the game doesn't work out, if the game studio doesn't pan out, I can always try something else, if I make the right connections, if I make the right friends. And, and I feel like I did that, and I feel like if something were to have happened to the game studio, that I would have been kept on to do something else there. Uh, because I was so like, I try not to force myself onto people. You mean like a
2: networking In a sense? sexual way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, in a networking sense, 100%. Like, yeah. all, the, all the people would research, like, I never made it a point to go talk to them. If I talked to them, I wanted it to happen, like, organically in a way. And I'd already done a couple of 30-second reviews, and, like, some of the, peop- the on-camera people, like, had seen them because other people would retweet them, and Tim was always really good about retweeting my stuff and, like, helping me out, and, and so... Th- That's how I think people started noticing that, like, oh, maybe he's more than just a game developer, you know. And then um, a year went by, well, almost a year. It was maybe, like, late October, early November. And that's when Tim called me and said, hey, we're
0: going to want to hire somebody.
1: Mm. And And the guys don't know this, but I want you to be the guy. (laughs) And you went a video editor at that point. I did. I've done some video editing in college, um, at the art institute. But <laughs> I think I told Tim like I can make like complex 3D models. Of course, I can video edit. Like I've done it before. It's just not something that I've, I have a like a portfolio for or whatever. But uh, I think Kevin told me this that like he was like yeah when at one point I said I want Andy and Tim was like he doesn't know how to video edit though and Kevin was like we can teach him how like. It's all about, like, to them it was all about, I guess, the the, uh, the attitude and the, the humor, which, which is why they really wanted me. Um, but, yeah, the first time they asked, I said no. Uh, Tim told me to think about it. And I was like, all right, I'll think about it. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm going to say no. Like, why would I leave Austin? Why would I leave my home state and go to a really expensive city? Um for a company that's way smaller than Yeah. you know, find, kind of funny, stuff, they're way smaller than Um, And then I told Tim, "No, I was like, hey, thank you, man, I appreciate it." Blah blah. And Tim started telling me, selling me on it more." I was like, "Just think about it." Doing the Tim thing. There was several. Think about it. A bit of scamming There were several nights of him saying, "Just think about it. Sleep on it." Uh, <laughs> I said no probably four or five times or something like that. Um, and it, I, I think it, it wasn't until I realized like if I leave for kind of funny, whoever takes my spot on the games team, I won't care about it. But if I say no to them, whoever takes my spot, whoever gets tired instead of me at kind of funny, I'm always going to feel a little bit jealous about it. And kind of like, oh man, that could be me, you know. Um... And I was really bummed out about leaving game development because I fucking love it. I loved making art for games, but um, knowing that there was going to be somebody else possibly in my spot where I could have this creative outlet to make funny stuff really sort of sold me on that. You know, like man, I I don't want to lose out on this situation on this on this opportunity. Rather, I even told my parents like I'm doing this more for what it could become in ten years. And if it, become, if it becomes nothing, oh well. Like I'll, I'll just never know if I don't say if I don't go, you know. And you can go back to games. Yeah, or or I could video edit somewhere else, or you know, maybe yeah. university they'll hire me back or whatever, you know. But it was just something. It was an opportunity that I realized, like, oh fuck, this is kind of a big deal. You know, this isn't me. This isn't one out of two hundred fifty employees at University This is one out of five people. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. This is working with Greg Miller who's one of the biggest names in the games industry is, you know, it's a huge opportunity um, and then I said yeah and then and so four months later Colin quit <laughs> <laughs> and so, so Tim retweeting your
2: 30 second reviews and, and thinking of you for this job is that based on his interactions with you as a fan before
1: Rooster Teeth, or as an interaction with you as part of Rooster Teeth? or at that, at that point, we were already, like, I, I was already making merch for them for quite a while. Right. Uh, and then... And did that start as a fan? Like, that started I, as a I fan. designed
2: this cool thing, I hope yeah,
1: you like it. Yeah, 100%. I, I had done a fan art thing where I drew the games cast intro. Like, I drew... Tim as, as Ash. I drew Tim as Ash, oh. and I drew uh, Greg as Snake and I drew Nick is um, the Shadow Boxer, Little Joe from from fucking Punch Out. I drew Colin as uh, as like Mega Man, that. and that was at RTX 2015. That was right before RTX 2015. And and then I met them the next week, and that's when uh, that's when they're like, oh, you drew that? Fuck! Like, what else can you okay. do for it? you know? Blah blah blah. Uh, and then they're hiring a designer to design a lot of their uh show stuff. And I was like, fuck it, I might as well apply, you know. So I, I emailed and I was like, hey, uh I don't really do this, but I can do it. And they were like, hey, we already hired someone, but how do you feel about like making a few t-shirts? And I'm like, sure. So it was like supposed to initially just be a hundred percent community thing. Then the first t shirt came and I did it, and they were like, Oh awesome, thanks a lot. And then second t-shirt came and instead of asking the community again, they like, Tim came back to me. The third t-shirt, he came back to me and like, he kept coming back to me, uh, I guess because he just liked the work and it was like kind of a quick turnaround. Uh, and that was 100% as a fan. And then, you know, we started sort of growing this whole friendship or whatever. And then eventually when Rooster Teeth hired me or offered me the job, I texted him and I was like, hey, uh, I have an interview with Rooster Teeth like in a few weeks or whatever give me oh man, I'll, I'll let Bernie know. Like not that Bernie had much to do with it because yeah, Bernie's yeah. not on the games team, but um, they were still really stoked for me to get hired there. Uh, and that was like at that point it was like more than just like this shirt designer, like we had kind of become friends at that point. And then they'd come down to visit and we'd all go get drinks or whatever and, yeah. and I was doing it all for free. My dad was not happy about that. He's like, No, you should make them pay you. But to me I always saw it as like I want them to feel like they owe me something. Like, I, I want them to feel like if there's an event that they feel obligated to invite me out, you know, or like, or for the bar somewhere, like, I'll get free drinks or whatever, you know, like. Also, I just felt awkward, like, charging. I don't know. It's like not the smart thing to do. Like, you should get paid for your art, but I was totally fine with it because I, before I even got the job with them, I always felt like there's a possibility of me getting hired with them before I was even a Rooster Teeth. Um, and I got hired with RT, and at that point I was like a roosty designer making work for themselves, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was still cool, man. Um, and all of that was just like, yeah, as like a friend who started working with them or whatever. Um, where are we now? I just started rambling, John.
2: It's cool, <laughs> man. Like it's uh, it's the story of how you got where you are, and that's what's really cool about it. Like, I only have to ask one question and off you go. <laughs> I just fucking ramble, yeah. Um. <laughs> what would you say has been, like, the hardest part of, of that? Because this is a show about the work that goes on behind the scenes and it's it's not like you just appeared out of nowhere out of the community and suddenly you're up on stage at kind of funny life three. Like, you've, you've, you've done all this free work for them, you've done all this, you know, your craft of art is something I imagine has taken thousands of hours of practice and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, yeah. What's been the hardest Back.
1: Oh, God. It's hard to answer that because I don't feel like any of it was really tough. Like, I just, I wanted to make cool shit for them mm-hmm. and I wanted them to enjoy it. And, like, they offered to pay plenty of times so and I would just say, like, no, like, I, I, I wanted to grow this relationship between us. And even while I was at Roostery, like, I knew that, like, I don't think that they were ever going to hire anybody. And I don't think they were ever going to want to hire me. But then they like
2: approached me and they're like, Hey,
1: we're going to hire you, but we got to make sure that like everything's cool between Rooster Teeth. The hardest part between yeah. the hardest part of fucking coming to kind of funny was leaving my family back home. Um, my friends back home, leaving Rooster Teeth, my awesome employees, like everybody back there meant so fucking much to me. And, uh, knowing that like, like, I'm going to miss out on, on my nephew and my nieces growing up. You know, that was like really tough for me. Um, and it's not something that I really thought I would ever do. Like, again, like I was set on saying no to Tim so many times. Like, I, would just, I was just like, no, man, there's no way. Like, why would I do that? Like, I'm, Rooster is awesome and huge. And, yeah. uh, and I'm in Texas and I'm five hours away from my core of my family. But I also live in Austin where I have, Three sets of uncles and aunts that live around me too, you know, like. So that was the hardest part: was leaving friends and family for sure. Yeah. And the Spurs. And the Spurs, yeah. Now I'm just in the town of (laughs) bandwagon. Tell me about it, man. It's hell over here. I noticed.
2: And the other question that I ask um, people on the show is: what advice do you give to people that, whether they want to work in games, be graphic designers, make T-shirts? Work for kind of funny one day? What would you say is a key piece of advice that applies to everyone? Um, is there any?
1: <laughs> is there any? Man, honestly, I just feel like I got here. I feel like I got so fucking lucky. Like the stars had to align perfectly. Um, but if I didn't work my ass off, those stars wouldn't have aligned. So it's like, it goes both ways. Um, if if I if I hadn't put in enough work and didn't grow my talents and, and grow my skills, then I definitely would not be in the situation I was in, you know? like Friends can only help you out so much. You can only know so many right people. I have friends that I declined jobs for at Bruce Feet because I knew that, like, yeah, they're my friend, but they're not Right. They're not great at what they do, you know. Um, so at a point, you have to know that, like, yeah, people along the way will help you if you are good enough. At least, in my opinion, like, I, I, I personally would never risk hiring a friend of mine who I know probably isn't good enough, um, unless I knew that, like, hey, this person can learn the job super easily. That's fine, but um, I'm just all about like. Meet the right people and also make sure you're really qualified for what you're trying to do. Um, there have been times that we said no to hire employees because they were just not good people. Like, I'd rather work with somebody who's seven out of ten on the talent scale, who's an awesome person, than the ten out of ten artist who's a dick mm-hmm. and who's hard to work with and who it's doesn't work well with others, thing. you know? Um,
2: Cool. And, uh, the other question that I ask everyone, and we can we can end on this one, is if you were guaranteed to succeed, what would you do? Anything. Any project, any job, anything at all? Any job.
1: Um, hmm. I was guaranteed to succeed. Obviously, I want to say NBA. <laughs> that'd be fucking awesome. Um, I don't know why I'm so, like, infatuated with the fighting game community. Really? Like, if I was really good at Street Fighter or something like that, I just love that scene, and I love the vibe, and I love (laughs) the excitement from, like, the fighting game community. Because I follow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I follow it. I just don't play that well at all. Um, I always think about that, like, when it's Evo season, when I'm watching Evo, I'm like, man, I wish I was really fucking good at Street Fighter. But I guess the same thing goes for, like, I guess that's easily relatable, but, like, when I watch the NBA finals, I don't say, man, I wish I was really good at basketball, because there's no way, like... It's you just... I was a little bit taller. It's just so further... Yeah, it's so much further away. If only I was twice my height, you know. Yeah.
2: And what about, specifically, maybe, in like, the games industry or anything like that? Is there anything you want to accomplish that people might be interested
1: in? Um... One thing that I would... If I could... If I can turn back time, I'd go back and make sure that I tried to get better at math and tried to become a programmer okay. because programming and coding will uh, rule the world, and you you should learn that shit if you want to if you want a career for the rest of your life because yeah. uh, it's just there's always going to be a job for you if you're good at at engineering, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, where art, I always get really worried about the future of art and how procedural programs might, how procedural programs might eventually, you know, uh, lose the need for artists in the future.
2: You think um, a robot could take your job? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I can't see a cyborg hosting the the morning show or oh, no, no, no. For the oh no
1: I meant more like uh, like for video games and game development and stuff like that like right. when I
2: like automated
1: yeah stuff. like all that stuff just kind of worries me like whenever when I see crazy artists online like making lifelike sculpts of Matt Damon or something it's like eventually we're just going to get 3D scanners and all this shit's going to be yeah. useless you know I'm always like future proofing everything what can be future proofed <laughs> you know And I do think that, like, hosting stuff and games media is future proof. But what about, like, how far until this let's play bubble breaks? You know, that's that's one of my worries. You know, Um, will people ever stop being entertained by this type of stuff? Um, Not by like, obviously, people are gonna grow out of people that they watch, but will the concept as a Mm -hmm. whole? Continue to exist, yeah. As I a mean, form of media, it, entertainment.
2: If it changes. It will change slowly, and you'll adapt to it as it changes. Just
1: yeah, better. yeah. And I, I guess people are always going to like video games. Like it's only going to yeah. keep expanding and stuff. But um, yeah, all that stuff kind of interests me. Do in ten years, are we going to care about watching people play video games? <laughs> all that stuff. Kind Who knows? Of, yeah, I think about Inside that quite me. a bit.
2: <laughs> and uh, lastly, can you do it? Do me an improvised thirty-second
1: review of this book. The fresh honeydew juice is pretty good. Uh, doesn't taste like honey. Doesn't taste like dew. Nine point nine three out of ten. It's almost as good as the first half. <laughs> half of Yeah, <my> <laughs> yeah. you almost got there. Yeah. <laughs> what was that score? Nine point nine. Nine point nine. Yeah. Nine point
2: nine six. Yeah. Seven. Man. Thanks for hanging out, man. It's been really good to finally get across the ocean yeah, to do this. Yeah. Great to finally meet you again. Yeah.
0: That was Andy Cortez. You can find him on Twitter at. Maximum Cortez. You can find Kinda Funny at Kinda Funny Vids. They're both on YouTube. You can find them pretty easily. I am on Twitter at Jono himself. And until next week, keep putting in work.